Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots, in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, today's study continues the topic of brave conversations as we focus on safe spaces. Today, we're looking deeper into 1 Samuel chapter 12. Let's dig in. One of the things that is difficult for me, even after all of these years of being on the journey with Jesus Christ, is struggling with the idea that my relationship with God is not based on my works, on the things that I do spiritually or do for God. It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that God will love me more the more that I do for him. And when I mess up, or when I'm not as plugged into my spiritual life as I should be, that God's going to love me less. Perhaps the best way that I can frame this in a different way for us to think about it is in our relationships here on earth. Uh, We're all seeking for a relationship with a significant other, perhaps with a spouse, who loves us simply for who we are, who accepts us simply for who we are, who provides safe space for us in that relationship where we don't have to give gifts or or do things or act a certain way for them to love us. They just simply love us. And maybe if singleness is what we feel called to and we have no interest in a relationship with a significant other, then then oftentimes we find this in our relationships maybe with our parents or or with our children, or with our friends. We're, we're looking for those safe relationships and spaces where people will simply just love us and accept us for who we are, no matter what we do or what we don't do in the relationship. That's why the power of forgiveness is so great. Whenever we've harmed somebody that we love, that forgiveness that's returned to us is so powerful because it creates a deeper sense of safety. That's what we want and what we should have, and what God desires for us to recognize that he gives to us as well, is a safe space for us to be in relationship with him. But for some reason or other, it seems as though we are wired to want to work for our love with God, to work for our salvation with God. Now, it's not as though doing incredible acts of service and and spiritual devotion and spiritual practices aren't a positive thing. Think about your relationships here on earth. If I give my wife candy or flowers, if I spend time with her, if I show affection to her in both my words and in my actions, then our relationship is going to probably go much deeper and is going to be a lot simpler. But I don't have to do those things in order for her to love me. I think the same goes with God. Our relationship goes deeper and goes to places it would never go whenever we are intentional about it. But you don't have to do those things for God to love you. The difficult part is, is though, whenever we just royally screw up, it can sever that love and that safety that we feel in a relationship. And whenever we come to 1 Samuel chapter 12, and I finally got there, that is what we find. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 12, and I'm not going to read through all of it here, so I hope that you'll go back and read through it because it's 
an easy read and it's a fascinating read. Essentially, the people have come to a place where they understand that they have just royally messed up with God, that they have gone off the deep end and they have really just kind of severed the relationship. And, and it's not a it's not a safe space anymore for them because they fear that they haven't worked hard enough to deserve God's love and to deserve God's forgiveness. And so Samuel, who's the prophet and who's the spiritual leader, comes to this moment where he kind of calls all of the people on the carpet and says, hey, we need to really have a direct, frank, heart-to-heart -heart discussion about what's going on here. And so Samuel begins to review for them in the first part of the chapter their history with God and how God has given them so many things and how they had kind of still failed, how they had turned their back on God, how they had still asked for things and wanted things that wasn't going to bring safety into the relationship, but was going to bring friction and difficulty and disconnection into the relationship. And so when we get to verse 10, Samuel has finally kind of convinced them that they need to be a little bit more intentional about the relationship about creating safety between them and God. And so they cry out to the Lord again, and they confess, we have sinned by turning away from the Lord and by worshiping the images of Baal and Ashtoreth. But we will worship you and you alone if you will rescue us from our enemies. Now, <laughs> I don't know that the people of Israel were necessarily in the position of um, giving God an ultimatum. We'll worship you, we'll love you if... But what I love about the Bible is the Bible is truthful. It's it's real. And so this is the way that the people feel in that moment. Um, they are broken. They do understand where they have missed the mark. But also part of that brokenness and part of where they are now has come from the idea that they're also in fear over what's going to happen, that God's going to punish them because they haven't lived up to the standard. And so um, that's not what's going to happen here. But look what happens in verse 19. They say to Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for us or we will die. They recognize that they have so severed the relationship with God that they're not even certain that God will hear their prayers here. But they believe that the holy man, Samuel, that God will hear his prayers. And so they all say this to Samuel, for we have now added to our sins by asking for a king. And so this is kind of what brought all of it to a head was God said, you don't need a king. I don't want you to have a king. But they said, we still want a king. And so uh, this is what has kind of brought all of this into the conversation. And what we see here now is that the people have reached a point where they admit that they have sinned against God. And they asked the prophet Samuel to pray that the Lord would not kill them. Uh, that's how fearful they were about the breakdown in their relationship with God. Uh, maybe, maybe you've been in a point in your relationship with God where, where you felt as though maybe God would kill you for the thing that you had done. Maybe, maybe you hoped or feared that he would, or, or maybe there was just that it would be a relational death or, or a spiritual death or emotional death that you were simply going to stop thriving spiritually, that God could never look at you the same again, could never treat you the same again, could never love you the same again because of what you had done. And so you reach this point where you admit 
that you have broken the safety of the relationship and you're not sure that it can ever be recovered again, but there's this small part of you that hopes that it can. And I want you to see Samuel's response here because the people are in an extremely vulnerable space. This is, um, this is the moment where however Samuel answers is not only going to essentially determine the rest of their spiritual journey as a people, but it's also going to determine their perspective on God. And um, this is a really important point that oftentimes pastors, religious leaders, even when you're having a conversation with somebody else who's struggling with something that we, we can lose sight of, and that is that as a follower of God, we are also a representative of God. People make determinations about who God is on the basis of how we act and how we respond. Samuel could have used this moment in order to double down on the people and say, you better not do this again. God hates the sin. He's close to hating you. You can't imagine how irreparably you have damaged this relationship. If I were God, I would never have done this. I'm going to point back to these previous verses back in the Torah that says that this and this and this that you've done is wrong. And how can you have done that? And it's black and white right here. Samuel could have done all of those things whenever the people said, we've sinned. God, can you find it in your character to forgive us? Samuel doesn't do that. I want you to see how Samuel creates safe space, even in the midst of, and, and remember, we've pointed this out, the people have, um, they're repentant, but it feels as though they're not fully repentant. The people are recognizing of, they are, they have recognized the fact that they have messed up, that they've made God angry that they've maybe asked for things and longed for things that were not healthy for them. But part of this, again, is, is it looks like they are not fully repentant. God, will you forgive us so that our enemies don't harm us? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll seek your forgiveness and we'll return to you if you promise not to let any harm come to us. Well, it's not complete forgiveness forgiveness that you're really in the place I think of asking for yet. I don't know that you're fully repentant or contrite. I think you, I think you might need to go back to the drawing board just a little bit and review the place that you're in with God and the thing that you've done. Samuel though, Samuel doesn't use this as an opportunity to point out that they still seem to be a bit far from what it means to be repentant. Samuel meets them where they are, which means he is the prophet. He is the representative of God. So this means essentially that God meets them where they are as well. It says, don't be afraid. It's okay. Yeah, you've certainly done wrong, but make sure now from here forward, that you worship the Lord with all your heart and that you don't turn back on him. I love this perspective. 
Because how many times do we have a conversation last night with someone um, about this over over direct message in, in Facebook who was who was struggling with um, sin and sinners and what should be accepted and what shouldn't be accepted and what what should be sought for for forgiveness and what shouldn't and how should we respond and so often the church and followers of, of God respond in, in ways where we just want to kind of beat people up for what we perceive as sin. And what we perceive as sin may, may sometimes not even be sin, but we'll point to chapter and verse that tacitly seems to indicate that where we think someone has missed the mark is, is an atrocity, uh, a grieving of the heart of God. And as Jesus says in the New Testament, we'll be digging at that little piece of sawdust in their eye. Well, there's this huge plank, this huge beam of sin and things that we can't see in our own eye. Samuel meets them where they are, creates safe space for them and says, you know what? Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, move forward. Make sure now that you worship God with all your heart and, and don't turn your back on him. Don't go back to worshiping the worthless, worthless idols that cannot rescue you. They're totally useless. This is what repentance means. Repentance means a 180-degree turn. It means an about face from where you were headed in one direction to heading in the complete and opposite other direction. And so, essentially, Samuel here is calling for repentance, saying, turn around, stop going in the direction that you're going, and go in the opposite direction now, because the direction you've been going in is totally useless. The Lord will not abandon his people, verse 22, because that would dishonor his great name, for it has pleased the Lord to make you his very own people. Samuel, again, creates a space of safety for them, in their vulnerability by reminding them that they are still God's people, that God has not rejected them. He has not forgotten them. He is not going to go back on his promises. And, and I believe that God says that to you as well. As for me, Samuel says, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. I'm not going to leave you alone at this vulnerable place. I'm going to continue to be a part of creating safety for you. In relationship with God, and I will continue to teach you what is good and what is right, but be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things that he has done for you. I find what Samuel does here to be a magnificent example of what we are to do for others who are vulnerable about their faith, about their spiritual life. Um, I was just read on Facebook right before we went live, a conversation between some people on my wall where um, there was not safe space created and looking at the fallout of how that felt rather than just simply saying, you know, God loves you. Uh, I may have a different perspective than you, but you know what? You are adored. You are beloved. You are amazing, and I'm going to create safe space for all of us to worship God and to follow God and to love God, and let's just let the details work out later. Rather than that, what happened was a wall got put up saying, essentially, well, 
because of this one thing, you're out. This isn't safe space for you with God and this conversation isn't either. It's time for us to stop trying to determine who is in and who is out of the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus in the Bible dramatically and firmly states, that's none of our beeswax. That's none of our business. Who is firmly in and who is firmly out? That is up to God. What is up to us is whether or not we create safe space for people to come to God. And it's also important for us to remember there is no one out who is a greater sinner out there than me. There is no one out there, no matter what they do, who is in greater need of God's love and God's forgiveness and who is in greater necessity of repentance every single day than me. Anytime we turn our attention to other people and the difficulties of their spiritual journey, I fear it's to avoid the difficulties and the problems and the issues on our own. Create safe space for people. And they, I believe, in return will create safe space for you. And if you've failed, if you've stumbled, if you've tripped up along the way, and so many of us have, and, and some of us have allowed those things to get in the way of our of our ability to believe that we can still be accepted and loved by God. Don't let your failure prevent you from repenting. And remember what repenting is. It's simply turning around and walking in the opposite direction you were going. Don't let your failure prevent you from repenting and for following the Lord. Pick yourself up. Dust the dirt off. And start heading back in the direction that you know God is in. This Bible study on Brave Conversations is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy to follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ's Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission? It's simple. To help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. When you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks, and trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ's Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on safe spaces. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well at www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.